welcome to the ghost gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. And then we begun. We did. Feels like ages since we've done I know. a proper episode. Have you forgotten what I look like? Yeah. Who are you? I don't know. Oh, what was the last film episode we did? Was it Veronica? I think it might have been. No, it was. It was You're Not My Mother. Oh, Veronica, yeah. Veronica was a while back I, now. Do you know what? I just got the two modelled up in my head. You've skipped a few yeah, in there, Yeah, actually. I got the two modelled up in my head. Um, yes, no, you are not my mother, which was a while ago. It was a while ago. Hope everyone's good. Hello. And, um, hope you all enjoyed my Bloody Mary episode. I enjoyed your Bloody Mary episode. I didn't know you'd listen to it. Well, no, I don't tell you everything. Did you? <laughs> that says everything. Um, hope everyone's good and you've had a good couple of weeks. We are back with a proper movie review episode yeah full fat full fat ghost gig full this fat. time and we're now on so we don't really call it that we just call it classic full fat ghost gig Ooh, classic sounds... ghost gig yeah full fat ghost gig. also i don't like the idea of like there being a ghost gig zero or diet actually i dislike that but also full... i think we should backtrack on this entire thinking i don't like um full fat milk makes me feel sick well, all right it's, it's okay on cereal i guess that's kind of the only place Ooh, i think it's all no, right no 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 anyway ugh. i don't really eat cereal anymore so sad times not really <laughs> toast rules the roost um, what, what were you saying? <laughs> I've completely lost my train of thought because I was thinking about food. Um, no, what I was going <laughs> to say was we have now got a nice list of listener suggestion films. Yes, thank you very much. That we are going to go through. So the the first one on our list was Event Horizon. Way. Um, Asked for by Simon R. Hurst. So Hello, thank Simon. Thank you for the suggestion, Simon. So this is our first one on the list that we've done. Yes, this is your shout out, Simon. So Event Horizon... Um, which came out in, I believe, 1997? Yes, like 1997. It's, it's, it's a late 90s. It definitely looks and feels yeah. a late 90s. When, it's fair to say we would not have chosen this one, so I'm quite no, glad to have got this it's suggestion. it's an interesting choice. When yeah. a lost spaceship reappears near Neptune's deteriorating orbit, a team of astronauts is sent to investigate the matter. Yes. It's very, very vague um, Well, it's a really short blurb. It's, you know, yeah. that's fine. Um, I can live with that. Now, I've got a bit of a confession to make. This is mostly going to be Vince doing the review because when we watched this film, I was very, very, very tired. But you gave the impression of being fairly in the room, to be honest, which is why we decided to do it. Much of it in. Um, I'm sorry. Vince, you give your thoughts. If I remember anything or have any flashes of inspiration. I have a suspicion that once we start talking about it, because you know when you do about something, you get the back and forth and you go, oh, yes, there's that bit. And it it is widely known that I'm not a huge sci fi person so that's fair but yeah. i know that you have enjoyed other things which have spacey elements in yeah. and other sci-fi elements so i know that I, I think it's fair to say this is not a straight sci-fi anyway and before we start like when i re- when i sort of announced we were going to do this film i got so many comments of people going oh my god epic film like it's a real cult film so it is a cult I film i feel like i'm going to upset people so i'm really really sorry well, but I what i think didn't... what we do is we arrange to not for the ghost gig. We just rewatch it at some point in yeah. like a year or so. Yeah. Time. So we'll you can give yourselves enough distance yeah. and then you can make your own informed yeah. decision. Maybe we'll do like a, a short filler episode where we, we, we kind of patch up this yeah. one. I don't know. But, but Vince definitely watched it and took it in. So I definitely watched it. Your yeah, thoughts, yeah. Vincent? I, well, I have many and I'm sure you'll have some coming back to you okay. as we talk. Don't make it so quite so structured. It's scary. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, okay. All right. Um, so as I alluded to before, it's not a straight... Sci-fi. It is definitely a part horror film. Oh yeah, no, it, for sure. it has strains, substantial strains of horror DNA in it. I feel like it might have pissed off enough sci-fi people who thought this is basically a horror, whereas most horror fans probably consider it mostly a sci-fi. Yeah, I think it might be in that uncanny valley between the two if such a place exists. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bit desolate because it feels like there's lots of places which 
there's lots, lots of other films this draws at and pokes at and references and just are all a bit more solid in their execution. Alien is the obvious one. Yes. Um, you know, that is a horror. It happens to be in space. This, I think, thought it was one of those, um, which is a grandiose thing to attempt because you might as well attempt something a little bit off the beaten track once in a while. Otherwise, things get stale and boring. So I applaud them for trying. Um, it feels a little bit like when I was looking looking back through my notes afterwards, they weren't quite sure what was happening with it when they were making it. Now, I don't know much about the the development process of it, if it changed directors or something like that. It feels like it may have done or like the writers were swapped out. I'm not sure. Um, it felt like cheating to go and look it up. Um, but it, it, gives a, it has a slightly disjointed feel about it. Um, which I think mostly comes across in the pacing, in what's left behind of the film. Maybe there's some excellent scenes which were cut to the maybe. to the floor in the cutting room, um, which maybe give a bit more depth to certain things and flesh certain bits out. But it feels like it's been a bit hacked together to make a, tr- make a try and, I don't know if it was a summer blockbuster or a winter one, but to try and make a, a hit film. Because it's got quite good talent in it. Like It's, it's got big... Sam Neill, obviously. Sam, Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Um, like in 1997, so it's... It's before Matrix, is that? Is that 99? That's when he got really big, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, never, never been interested Morpheus. in Morpheus. Well, I think it feels like it's about the same year. So, but Sam Neill, only, got, what, four years before Jurassic Park? Yeah. Like, these are big stars from this time. Yeah, sure. Um, this was not a this is not a B-movie, necessarily. Although no. the dialogue would make you think otherwise. I mean, I'd never heard of it, but I don't know if that's just me being not well informed. I'd, he- I'd heard it, but I didn't, I'd never seen it. I'd never seen anything about yeah. it much. Um and actually, the supporting cast is, I would say, really good as well. Like, there's some really choice picks of cast. Like, you recognise lots of the faces, but you don't necessarily know where they're from. Uh-huh. I did find out in, my, in a bit of research, the, the guy who played, like, the English pilot. Oh, yes. He's the son of one of the Doctor Who's. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how funny. <laughs> John Pertwee. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's this, this is I've, his son. I've, I've, I've never I've seen the old Doctor Who's, but, yes, I know but, the name. Which I thought was funny, because lots of the interiors reminded us when we were watching it of Doctor, yeah, later yes, Doctor Who's. Yes. Doc, I, think, I think the first... The first couple of Doctor Who regenerations in the 2000s yes. were referencing this era I, yes, of cinema. Yes, I do remember saying that. I said, oh, someone's been watched, uh, some, someone on Doctor Who has seen this Absolutely. This film. I, I will say the set designs look really cool. They're really, they're not as cool as like Alien. They're not that strata, but there were some high ideas there. Mm-hmm. Lots of the spaces inside this spaceship that they have to um, seek out. It's like lost. It, it's, um, it's like a ghost ship, but it's in space, essentially. Yeah. Lots of the interior spaces look like a black cathedral. Like it's it's lots of black tiles, um, dramatic lighting, um, crosses occasionally appear. Um, there's a few points where they're just on a sort of mostly Catholic iconography. And it's it's it's, it's quite nicely done, i got yeah. to admit. Sinister. And there's lots of, also lots of lots of references to hell. Yeah, it's very... They, they literally are told that the spaceship went to hell through an yeah. interdimensional portal or something like that. It's, it's gory. I remember it being gory. It is gory, which I think is definitely where they were leaning on as a horror yeah. um, DNA, which to me... Gore doesn't. It's a bit overdrive for me. I think I, over I can t- remember. Yeah, f- f- Gore does not a horror film make for me. No, no, it doesn't because um, it, it can be. And you, they were on, they were on the horror side of Gore. Call the midwife can be gory. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, so. yeah. And that's well, it shouldn't be sold as a horror. No, but it, it, like you're right. Uh, you, you're probably the first person in human history to have drawn a parallel between Ben Horizon <laughs> and Call the Midwife. So congratulations! Thank there. you, thank um, you. And I can't even remember be, the bloody film. That'll probably be the only time that gets mentioned. But um, you know what I mean? Like that's go- that has gore in it. It's not. Yeah. It's not make it a horror film. No, but this I think I think they were trying for earnest horror, 
But I think it was probably still perhaps the era that they made it in. It was still coming off of the like the 80s slasher mm. really diet. And it, it definitely is like a look at this gory, messy thing. Do you think it's a bit it's, like it's pre saw. We want to make but, something like this, but put it in space type perhaps, thing. Perhaps, perhaps. Um I don't know. It was it was it was odd. And they, they sometimes just flash past. There's there's bits where you, you think you see something in the corner, but actually you you don't. Yeah. There's not really anything in the corners. The the sort of twist, and I don't think I'm spoiling a twenty five year old film here. Uh, older. Um, the, there's no up. monster in this scary house. The house itself is the character, and it's it is haunted, mm. but it itself is also the so creature. No so the humans, the humans invading it are basically the the virus that it's trying to defend itself against the people. Humans not bad, you know. Humans destroy things. That's where we're going with this. That's fine. Don't really have an issue with that. It's all sci-fi tropes, and that's cool. Um, but it did feel. As a, just sort of finishing up the set design, as I sort of, I think I wrote down techno gothic. Um, cool. Because I don't know, they they were they were moments away from a techno soundtrack. They never actually broke into it, but you know they wouldn't wouldn't have been entirely out of place. I'm quite glad they didn't. They actually stick with pretty classic, more like 2001 Space Odyssey styled and, and inspired sounds, which was cool because it added to the sort of gravitas of the scenes. Um, but there's lots of like wasted opportunities, big and small. Like the whole setting, this this spaceship they're trying to go and board and work out what happened with, is uh, in a deteriorating orbit around a moon of Neptune or ne- Neptune itself. So it's basically in a storm, um, a wild, crazy space storm, which we see the crew in their small shuttle go- going through to get to the ship and get on board. And then all of a sudden the storm's just not there for the rest of the film. And that could have been a really good way of putting pressure on the characters um, in the end, they have to, to have to contrive the um, the time limit of oh no, the CO two scrubbers will run out of oxygen soon. The reason they're going to run out of oxygen is because everyone is smoking the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I know it's the late nineties, <laughs> but like highly trained astronauts would not be smoking in space ever. Smoking I mean, in space is that like, an episode I mean, title? Probably it could be. Why are they smoking in space? Is is one of the lines in my song? Yeah. Um, I like but, that. But yeah, it just. Uh, yeah, that, that's, I, as a conceit, like as the main sort I, of thrust here, like they're going, oh no, we have to, we're going to run out of time before we run out of oxygen. And they're like, well, stop setting fire to things. I do actually remember you getting very angsty it about the really smoking. It was really silly, yeah. He's I, was like, like, I was kind of falling asleep, and then you were like, God damn it, with the smoking. And I'm like, there was oh, a lot yeah, of I'm smoking. Watching. I was like, I'm watching, there was I'm a watching. lot of casual smoking. <laughs> um, which I know this back, back then was less weird, but it's just really, really silly, given that that's what was like the engineered time limit. And like, there was a better one which they dropped, and they put this one in, which was created by the character's idiocy. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of character's idiocy like before look, they start going mad. Was it to look cool? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was different in the US, but certainly in, I don't know, I guess by 97, it still was vaguely deemed cool. At least we were told by teachers it was people smoked to look cool in school, but I don't think actually one quite believed it at that yeah, point. But, was, but maybe not. I mean, I was, it's still several years away from the smoking ban. I was barely six, so I don't really remember. Smoking ban was 2003 or four. Okay. Yeah, I don't, maybe. I don't, maybe? It, I don't often get to say I'm too young, but I'm too young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm borderline too young as well. But anyway, um, yeah, that I wouldn't normally pick apart plot holes because, you know, we it's a horror podcast. Plot holes is just par for the course. But here they really felt Some problematic. Some horror films have fantastic plots and, and it makes it more, it makes it all the better. And there are other times when the plot holes don't matter. In fact, outside of horror. But in this, yeah. it, it felt silly and it felt mm. really really pro- difficult to suspend your disbelief. And there's many other things which you could suspend your disbelief through, like the, there's bits where they have, um, um, they're watching the videotapes back through of, of the ship's log and they're going through hell as people speaking in Latin, doing naughty things to each other. <laughs> and like, 
Okay. Things. And, and yet, and yet, like you kind of accept that. Go, yep, yeah, yeah, that that all feels like this is happening in the universe in which we're being shown. But there's certain things. You think no, yeah, no, I don't buy that. Um, so, but there we go. There was some really nice bits in it. There's a couple of set pieces. One of the crews, she's chasing her uh, a, a vision of her son running through the ship, and she gets killed because the ship's defending itself. Um, and a moment before she's killed, he's standing in like a coffin-shaped cutout with a light behind him, and she runs toward the coffin and into it, and then falls down to her death. Lovely. Okay, nice set piece. Looks yep. very elegant. Um, it, it, there, there were some other nice bits in it, which genuinely like yeah more of that please that would have been really cool uh, rather than the crass just gore for gore's sake approach mm. which a bit of it was um it felt while we were watching it like a film i had not even thought of in 20 years which was resident evil um the, the first one not seen that um, either which is had a lot of similarities and it's it's more of a grungy thing same era turns uh-huh. out same director found out oh funny related but i didn't know that um but there's there's crossover. It feels claustrophobic. That's in a bunker underground, and there's yeah. zombies. Well, they don't use that as a word, but it's zombies. Um, this is space, and although everyone has gravity, um, but yeah, yeah, there was a similar feel about it, which was actually quite nice. Um, I don't know that. Yeah, Sean Pertwee. That was the actor that plays uh, the pilot. Sean the Pertwee. Doctor Who's son. Yes. Guy. Yeah. Apparently, he was the third Doctor. So there we go. Some education for us all. Okay. I'm not a Whovian. Your I was a, a bit. I was a Hoovian when I was about fifteen when it came back with Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, and I was for a good few years once when it was David Tennant. But that's I, um, fair. I haven't been. I think it was time. David Tennant's um, like grungy Tardis mm. designs that felt like they're the most in line with this yeah. ship and the yeah. general tone of the thing. Like it is grubby, which is quite nice. It's not that kind of Star Wars grubby. Where it's still a bit sort of shiny and brightly lit. This is dark. Uh huh. Um, it did look quite nice, but yeah, sort of dark catacomby but in space and with metal. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what no, you're No, there are a few the Doctor Who, if we ever get around to rewatching Doctor Who, there we, are a we few keep saying episodes, we're going to. which is just like, yeah, there was absolutely, definitely based on Event Horizon, thinking about it now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And to be fair, it did look quite nice. Yeah. And not just there's the some, TARDIS. There's some, definitely bits. some awkward CGI moments in that. Yeah, I mean, it was 97. I don't know how good CGI was back then, really. I would, there's, there's some films which are from a similar era which look quite good, because you use it carefully. Yeah. I, I don't think, actually, and this is perhaps a little bit of a dumb thing to say, I don't think the first Man in Black looks awful. Can't remember. I mean, it's it's, it's very CGI heavy. It's about the same era, I think. Yeah. And like, it, it's done... I mean, Ghostbusters. It still looks old, but it, it doesn't look bad. silly. Like, the art design, it's like setting aside the graphical... Capabilities like the art design's quite nice. Ghostbusters, like is that. That, oh, it's 80s, isn't it? Yes, so, but that wasn't too bad. Lots really. of that's practical effects, yeah. Oh, okay, which is like, like that's basically the pinnacle of practical effects, really. I guess yeah. that sort of era. We need to do a bit more some stuff from that era, I think, perhaps because also we need to see some like big hairdos, <laughs> yeah, which could be fun. Um, yeah, there's this, there's, there's, yeah. Okay, I don't think I have loads more well, to I think add. You've it's given sort of a, a fair, a fair sort of reckoning, it made of me that. think a bit of Stargate. Um, <laughs> Well, in, on the sci-fi side of things, you know, it's quite easy. Amazingly, I've actually have written a song about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's yeah, more an have, apology. It's an apology. Um, so <laughs> let's get my song out of the way first. Yeah, I, I at least got a song done. You did get a song done. It's yes. an apology. You, I'm she sorry. done song everyone. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry, D. I'm sorry to Simon who asked for it, and I'm sorry to everyone who really loves you this need film. Apologise to I, Sam Neil. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sam. Apologize, I did apologise to Lawrence. Who's Lawrence? Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, sorry, Lawrence. Yeah, because he's definitely listening. Um, he no, might do one day. I didn't give this film a fair chance, but I hold my hands up. So, do you want to play my? I would like to play your song. Yeah, my apology song. 
to some, but apologies, dear listener, for I am in the wrong. I try to refresh my memories with reviews and trailer clips, but if I'm totally honest, I can remember jack shit. Unless it's Red Dwarf or my parents are aliens And I really was quite sleepy And I may have had some wine And when I watched this movie Well, we just didn't quite align Not a vent inside my head All I can remember is thinking that I want to watch Jurassic Park instead No space command, half ass effects Give me a man on the boat eating by a T-Rex It's wasted Wasted on me I come in peace Come in peace. I come in peace. Oh, event horizon, a non-event inside my head. All I can remember is thinking that I wanna watch Jurassic Park instead. My brain just didn't absorb it. It disappeared up Neptune's orbit. It's wasted. Wasted on me. There you go. There you go. That's that's I'm sorry. That's the most pretty apology you're gonna hear all day. Yeah. Well it's the most pretty apology set to like a nineties pop beat. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Sonically, I think you kind of hit it. Actually, you've got some like '90s poppy house stuff there. That yeah, it's I've, probably the kind of music. People I definitely been... didn't just type the word space into logic and uh, sorry, reason. And, uh, <laughs> which what, what do we work with? I definitely what you basically didn't... get is a nice look behind yeah. the scenes here. Sometimes we we just don't know what we're doing. Don't know what we're doing. Um, yeah, I, def- <laughs> I definitely I definitely didn't write space and alien into reason and just pick. no, no, I didn't obviously. do that at all. Um, right, so yeah, that's... I, I enjoy what you did do with it. Thank though. you. I enjoyed. Singing it, and I had to sing it really quietly because we only had time to do it when. Um, oh yes. When I uh, sort of during the day Our when the shop still at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was a bit. It was not my usual thing, but you know, I mean, despite it was in keeping. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, go on. I enjoyed hearing it. Let's hear your a proper a proper oh, reaction. Don't, don't to call the mine film. a proper reaction. Well, it is a proper reaction because you can remember what happened in it. <laughs> go on. All right. Here apparently is a proper reaction. Go on. Go on. Hello. Hey. Uh, 
Sometimes chilling with their arms, it could be more fulfilling. The jump scares, though effective in parts, are sometimes predictable and lacking in smarts. I like the grungy spaceship design, influencing the later TARDIS designs. Is this camp horror? Is that B-movie dialogue? The rules that get established seem to change quite a lot. But why would they be smoking in space? Doesn't that seem quite unscientific? It is. Is this a sci-fi horror? Kind of. Or maybe. We just missed it. High production values more about spectacle and answering questions. The narrative, though intriguing in theory, can be unsatisfying when it loses its way. The pacing a hurdle, it stumbles and drags. The moments of terror often gone in a flash. The alien life form that is the ship gets taken back to Earth, and everyone's okay with this. But why would they be smoking in space? Doesn't that seem quite unscientific? It is. Is this a sci-fi or horror? Kind of both. Or, or maybe. Maybe we've just missed it. Stick a pen through the folded pages As that plot makes another guest appearance Makes you think of films to which it compares itself Only then it just doesn't shape up so well Oh my, I'm so Actually, All so right. there you go. All right, Sam Ryder. <laughs> Where did you get the three little aliens from Toy Story to feature? Uh, I was thinking of um, uh, Babylon Zoo. Space man, I'm so. Oh, oh, how does it actually? There's go? me thinking you created that voice on on Reason, but no, that's you. Uh, I, the, one of the backing vocal is on is pitched up in Reason, and then there's me actually on top of it. So you didn't get the three aliens from Toy Story. No, they get the claw. <laughs> It's a different voice. Vince is available for voices, everybody. <laughs> Audiobooks also. Can <laughs> you imagine an entire audiobook? <laughs> oh, God. Harry Potter and the. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I really anyway. enjoyed that. I like your songs where you have little chats with yourself in them. Well, good, good. Well, you know, there's no one else in the room to talk to, so I talk to myself. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking um, the brains on that one. No, I, that, it was quite fun to do. I appreciate it. Um, but I think the moral of the story is, if you want a scary space film, watch Gravity. Okay. <laughs> That's what I would feel about it. Yeah, but totally like this, I know this film is a bit of a cult film and people absolutely love it and fair play to it. I had fun watching it, yeah. i got to admit, but it, I think I, was, I wasn't prepared for a, like a blockbuster film in truth. I was prepared for something a bit more, I don't know. I don't want to say meaty because that's not really what I mean, but I, I don't know. It was easier than we're perhaps accustomed to. Yeah. And I was sort of ready for something a bit more tough and it didn't happen. So that's all it really, really was. But. But I did have fun. The real bonus of this is that we have got our very first alien sci-fi story. I 
was quite hoping with this yeah. other direction that this part of the podcast was going to go. So I'm quite glad but, to hear you say that. Vince, you've got to you've got to strap yourself in for this. This is ridiculous. This story. Okay. It's so right. out there and crazy, and it all apparently apparently happened for real. Um, this is all very clickbaity. Just to, oh, just so in case you haven't realised what you're saying here. Honestly, this is. This it, is wild, this story. Absolutely wild. Okay. okay so All right. Just okay. prepare yourself. I'm, I'm... Let me just adjust myself. Okay. <sighs> right. You got, you got clean pants on? Um, not anymore. Okay, good. Um, we are going to learn about the abduction of Buck Nelson. And I'm just glad that okay. it's a nice, easy name that I can pronounce because it comes up Actually, a lot. Actually, that is a nice change, isn't it? Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Are you ready? Let's hear this about is, Buck this, Nelson. It's a ridiculous story. Okay. I was when I was researching. You probably stop not laugh while you're reading. When I was it. researching this, you know, I was just like, "What? No, no!" And just like having a whale of a time I, I, with this. Okay, all right. So, should I make a guess at what continent this might be happening on? <laughs> Go on. No, no, no. no so I'm going to see. Yeah. He's called Buck Nelson. What, yeah. Where do you think he's okay. from? Yeah. So here we go. Oh, okay. Okay. Buck Nelson was a farmer who owned a ranch just outside Mountain View, Missouri. Yes, it's America. Cool. His out-of-world adventure begins on the 30th of July, 1954. Buck was in his 60s and had spent most of his life working with his hands on farms and railroads. He'd left school after sixth grade and had gone straight into work. But Buck was happy with his lot. He lived comfortably on his ranch and enjoyed his work. Most of all, he loved animals. That day, around 4pm, Buck's dog, Ted, and one of the farm ponies suddenly went crazy. Buck was inside, but hearing the pandemonium, he rushed to the front door. Looking up to the sky, Buck's mouth fell open. Passing over him appeared to be three disc-shaped objects. Buck thought fast. He raced back inside and grabbed a torch and his camera. Once back outside... He managed to snap three pictures of the objects in the sky. Then he used the torch, flashing it on and off at the aircrafts, signalling for them to land. Instead, a heat ray shot from one of the discs and knocked Buck to the floor. Disorientated, he scrambled to his feet as quickly as he could, but the convoy were already flying away and was soon out of sight. Hmm. Buck stood rooted to the spot, turning over what he'd just seen in his mind. It was after a few minutes that he noticed that his chronic back pain, something he'd suffered with for years, was suddenly gone. Slowly, Buck reached down to pick up his glasses from the floor. As he bent, expecting the usual twang of pain, there was nothing. He picked his glasses up and sat That's on one them. hell of a massage. I know, wow. wow. Can, he... they, can they drop by here? <laughs> yes, aliens, if you're listening, come and do the same to Vince. He picked his glasses up off the floor and settled them onto his nose. Then he took them off again, gave them a polish and replaced them. Then he removed them again and blinked. Usually he couldn't walk a few steps without his glasses. But now when he wore them, they made the world look foggy. But without them, he could see perfectly. If actually they could come and do your back and then do my eyesight, yeah. that would be fab because I've got terrible eyesight. I mean, if we, if we can get some kind of package deal, yeah. that'd be really nice. That'd be nice. really good. That'd be really good. Oh, nice, nice um, yeah. heat ray. Buck was curious, of course, but had little choice than to simply go on about his life. Then, six months later, on the 1st of February, 1955, at about 12pm, the sorcerers returned. Hovering over Buck, a loud voice spoke clearly to him. Do we have your permission to land? You have room behind your house. Buck gulped. 
There was indeed a pasture beyond his home, easily and big enough to accommodate three vessels. Of course, he shouted to the sky. Good, we will return, replied the ships. Very before polite. Launching back I like across this. the sky. Yeah, very Good well for mannered. Them. Very well mannered. A month passed and Buck saw nothing and heard nothing of the three vessels. Then, on March the 5th, he was awoken around midnight by the sounds of the ship's landing. Not sure what to do, Buck waited, his heart hammering in his chest. A little while later, there was a knock at the front door. <laughs> <laughs> so told you so. It just, it gets, it gets weird. Yeah, it gets yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did, did he make the milk and cookies? <laughs> Taking a deep breath, Buck answered it. On his doorstep was the crew of the three diamond vessels. This consisted of a young human male named Little Buck, a nameless old man who was a trainee learning to fly, a 200-year-old man named Bob Solomon, who looked about 19. Hang on, how did he know all the ages of these people? I don't know. Um, Right. Yeah, I don't. It kind of he kind of writes it all up later. So anyway, that'll come up in a bit. Right. And and a giant 385-pound dog called Bo. Okay. Yep. Instantly you got to let them in now. Yeah. Buck invited them in. <laughs> All the men told him about life in the stars. They walked around Buck's house, laughing at Earth's primitive technology. Buck was a very deeply religious man. When there was a lull in the conversation, he asked if they were familiar with Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, said Bob Solomon. We know far more about him than you do. <laughs> <laughs> he can't hold his drink or anything. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. I just always picture him as Jesus in Family Guy. <laughs> um, Buck tried to question him further, but Bob changed the subject. Would you like to come for a ride on our ship sometime? Oh, I sure would love that, said Buck, hardly believing his ears. The three men smiled warmly, promised they'd be back soon to pick him up. As good as their word, on the 22nd of March... I don't know why they have to do everything... You know, they can't do it all at once. I don't know why they have to wait. I'm assuming time travel or something, or just they're busy yeah. people, you know? So, 22nd of March, the three ships returned and circled low around Buck's house. Below them, 12 enormous rocks began to form in a circle. A loud voice from the ship told... That's how stone circles happen. Yeah. Well, God, freaking knew it. Stonehenge. Yeah. Case closed. Yeah. A loud voice from the <laughs> ship told Buck that this was a symbol for the 12 laws of God. And they recited these to Buck. Okay, you ready? Right. One, love your maker. Two, do not kill. Three, love your neighbour. Four, let your light shine before men. Five, don't commit adultery. Six, don't steal. Seven, do unto others as you want done to yourself. Eight, no other gods but God. Nine, do not take the name of God in vain. Ten, honour thy mother and father. Twelve, sorry, (laughs) eleven, treat your body as God's possession. Twelve, recognise God as creator in heaven and earth. And breath. Right. Basically, the Twelve Commandments, isn't it? It's, it's. I mean, yeah, with the right words. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Buck told was told that these laws um, came from Venus, and there, following these rules, the inhabitants of Venus lived in harmony. There was no war, no armies, no smoking, no coffee, no tea, no liquor, drugs, next to no disease, no prisons, and everyone had very extended extended lifespans. Right. I understand, shouted Buck. Now may I come abroad? No, replied the voice. <laughs> Soon, but not tonight. <laughs> We're just dropping by to tease you. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Not even have a pamphlet. Yeah, we'll make you listen to our <laughs> We've shit. We've left and some that, literature yeah. for you. Yes. yes, listen listen to us for 45 minutes reciting and now we're fucking off. 
<laughs> Deflated, okay, right. Buck went home. But it wasn't until the 24th of April that he finally made it onto the ship. On hearing their arrival, Buck put on his best overalls, fetched his dog Ted and went out into the night. The craft hovered above them, then a ray of light shone down and pulled them up to the trap door. As they rose, Buck breathed slowly and held on to Ted for dear life. Once in the ship, they found themselves in a console room, a vast space filled with beeping machines and buttons. All the crew were there, and Buck wondered who were flying the other vessels. He was told that their first stop was to a palace on Mars. It took no time to get there. Dusty and dry, Mars was full of people and horses and cattle. Oh, right. <laughs> the buildings... <laughs> The buildings, including the palace, were designed to look like rocks on the outside, but on the inside, they were solid steel marbles running on solar and electrical power. And he knew all of these details from well, just glancing at them. He went inside, I don't know. He went into the palace, I think. They, I think okay. I, this is kind of like, you know, um, shortened a bit. So I think they actually went into the palace and had a banquet, basically, okay. um, with some ruler of Mars. But yeah. Um, the, right. This would have been yep. about an hour long if I'd had everything in here. Um, next on the tour was the moon, both the light and the dark side. They visited for a banquet with the locals and then hopped <coughs> back onto the ship. Maybe the banquet was this. Anyway, they went into a palace on Mars. Okay. Then it was the home planet of Buck's hosts, Venus. When they landed, Buck was surprised to see that everyone was wearing overalls just like him. Later, Buck claimed that life on Venus was far better than life on Earth. There were no busy roads, no police, no government, no crime. Taxes were about 5% of what they were on Earth, and a nickel was equivalent of $100. Again, lots of very specific detail mm, here yeah. that he's um, managed to glean from a, a very, very short visit. The citizens of Venus worked for one hour a day. The main source of entertainment came from book machines. This was a device where books were placed into it and then would be read aloud. It also played music and showed pictures to go along with the story. Oh, we have those. That's nice. We do. Yeah, that's cool. Venus had a detailed record of what had happened on Earth, even on the city of Atlantis and what had happened to it. Buck would later... Right. Yeah. Buck would later tell that folks on Mars and Venus looked just like us, but a bit cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. we are the grubby cousins, I guess. They dressed more simply. No ties, buckles, beads, earrings, bracelets. Nothing that could restrict their bodies in any way. Didn't wear underpants then, presumably. Oh, we can make that, I guess. <laughs> but he doesn't go into that detail, because that'll be... I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. They mainly lived on a diet of fruit and vegetables. Meat was enjoyed as an occasional treat. All of their lifestyle choices led to them living happy, healthy lives with very little disease or death among them. The aliens continued to impress on Buck that if humans were to live by their 12 laws, they would see similar societal improvements. Mm. Three days later, Buck... This feels a little bit... A little bit culty. <laughs> yeah. Three days later, Buck returned home, but he continued to enjoy on-off communication with his futuristic friends. <coughs> Almost a year later, Buck wrote and published a pamphlet on his experiences. Mm. It did well, and he became somewhat of a celebrity. He even started a small UFO convention that was attended by people for many years all over the world. So this is, I think, where the, all this detail comes from, all this bizarre... Okay. Um, however, some of the details in his work, shockingly, didn't quite add up. Really? Yeah. I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> for one thing, Mars, the Moon and Venus do not seem to be populated. 
It's a minor detail, but I wondered if we were going to get to that. Unless the citizens were hiding when they were when they were photographed. They are camera shy. Yeah. Secondly, Buck claimed to have seen three moons whilst on Venus, but as a fact, Venus has no moons. He also stated that a day on Venus lasts 17 hours. However, scientific research points to it being more 5,800 hours. Mm, Okay. Buck said that the US government took an interest in him and tried to suppress his message. He detailed in the pamphlet that shortly after his experiences, three men in black arrived to his house and told him to forget all he'd learnt and seen. But according to Buck, he scared them off by showing the men his rifle and yes, told, them, that would work. told them not to come any closer or there'll be trouble. <laughs> See how stupid this is. Apparently, a dozen government officials have been taken up and shown the planets too, but they would never admit to this. Buck also claimed he was offered $1,000 by a nameless person as a bribe to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> he didn't take it. Oh, right. As the years went on, Buck reported that armed men regularly came to the farms to take pictures and measurements. One man seemed to be solely responsible for scanning the area around Buck's property. Buck was even given a large sum of money for the clothes that he wore on that fateful flight. Apart from the 12 uh, laws of God, the main message that seemed to come from Venus was about atomic weapons. The next war would be fought on American soil and all would be slaughtered unless they abandoned atomic weapons. In fact, one of the aliens had claimed that this was the whole reason for visiting Earth in the first place, to see how they would use atomic weapons for peace or for war. And quoting from his alien friend, Buck said... We have stood by and seen another planet destroy itself. Will this world be next? We wonder, wait and watch. Right. Buck's UFO convention started off popular, simply spreading the message of clean, healthy living. But as it grew bigger, things started to get a little wacky. Only a little. Only a little. It's good they didn't start there, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. With bigger crowds and more key speakers, people began to make more and more outlandish claims about worlds beyond their own. Some audience members actually claimed to be aliens themselves, and they were here on Earth spreading Buck's vital message. Oh, they sound fun company. As the 60s took hold, Buck began to experience a few bumps in the road. One year, a fundraiser for $20,000 was announced to, to build a radio station for Buck to deliver his message. The audiences at the conventions were not impressed by this sudden ask for cash. Still, Buck's famous pamphlet and his occasional speaking at gigs at conventions allowed him to retire his old pony and buy a truck to drive into town. Then, the USA landed on the moon, and outer space was largely demystified for the general public. When the TV show showed a totally different story to Buck's rendition, his followers became fewer and fewer. His last convention in 1966 was very poorly attended, And since then, Buck Nelson largely disappeared from public records. Hmm. It's claimed that he died in 1982 and lived his last few days out in California. Hmm. That's the end. It's a shame when, yeah, it's this this, uh, interesting story he concocted that I mean... What do you mean he concocted? 
fine. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, and then, and then, oh, fact. Oh, damn it. Oh, damn it. They've landed but on he had a fucking moon. But he had a good few years there yeah, where yeah. no one could really contest him until it, it, they it absolutely was, could trounce a, him. He was a missionary, wasn't he, really? Yes. But he just kind of thought out of the box a little bit, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Oh, the, the people from Venus says, says it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has echoes of cults and all those sorts yeah. of things, doesn't it? It's like, oh, God. It's very, it's, it's pretty culty. Yeah. But I have to say, like, kudos to him for, like, thinking so outside the box. It's not just, um, oh, yeah, it's another prophet that's come from God. It's like, oh, it's, it's an alien that lives on Venus and I've well, been just, there. You just and... update it for the times, don't you? Yeah. I and, mean, and, and in the 50s, was it 54 or something you said it started in? I mean, you know, yeah. the world was looking upwards and outwards and things were looking very yeah. futuristic at the time. 54, yeah. 54. There, was, there was genuine hope, especially in the US at the time. Ah, oh, things are going to get better and atomics. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. I guess it's just kind of caught up in that. <laughs> Shame it's a load of... Yeah, <laughs> Hello, less credible information. <laughs> I mean, it's entertaining. I, I imagine it? that it, yes, it drew parallels to the I kinds of things believe, he dealt with on his farm. I just can't believe that people, but people do believe things, don't they? It's so funny. You only have to look at what people believe during COVID to sort of, you know, yeah, the whole kind of um, was it a uh, Bill Gates thing of putting, <laughs> yeah. you know, putting chips in people's arms? Oh, in. Yes, like he really can be bothered to do that. Yeah. God, he'd be bored if he put a chip in my arm. Everyone carries a smartphone. Yeah. That was done years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, people do just latch on to stuff. If it's kind of towards their way of thinking, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, that bit doesn't, but I'm just going to gloss over it. Yeah. But that's the thing, isn't it? The human mind is a powerful thing. That is what makes it scary. I'd go to a UFO. Convention. I know I said I don't like sci-fi much, but I do like... I'm interested in aliens. I'm just not really interested in sci-fi films. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, but I, I'd yeah. go to a sci-fi convention. I think the, the two are related, but not actually the same. So I think yeah. that's absolutely fine. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. But yeah. I mean, okay, the whole area around Roswell has a whole tourist industry about... Yeah, I'd go. The sort of 50s, it's sort of yeah. 60s style. But of... I mean, hats off to him, you know, like a normal, probably quite poor farmer, just absolutely raking, you know, <laughs> like raking it in from this bullshit he made. Maybe he thought he was telling the truth. I don't know. Maybe he did. Yeah. Either way, that is a very interesting story. It's, 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 and it's a bit <laughs> different, you know. It's, I, I apologise, it's not scary at all, but it's I like it's that it's from before from before space flight was particularly common. So actually people were just yeah. starting to sort of make make do with what they could think of, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's actually quite nice because you do kind of think of what? space flight. You definitely think of the 60s, don't you, when like facts were coming through in his video yeah. clips and, you know, beeps on radios and things. And yeah. Actually, this is, this is just, just, just though, a bit before. If you're going to make up something outlandish like that, maybe be a bit more adjective. Don't call one of the aliens Little Buck. And don't say, oh, they were wearing overalls just like me. And, and <laughs> they all look like me and you, but he cleaner. Could have, he could have been ill and had a weird set of dreams. Maybe. Maybe. And Fever basically, dreams are weird. I'll take the 12 commandments and swap the words around a bit. Yeah, I'll just update the language. That's fine. Yeah. Look, that thing we've all been told is basically right. Yeah. yeah. Just keep doing the thing. He probably decided that you know, because around the 50s and that, you know, everyone would have been religious at one point. And I guess maybe then was when people were starting to, you know, become atheists at that time. I don't know. Um, maybe I he think was, that's a little later. Was it a little maybe later? Maybe sort of in, in maybe larger he kind numbers. of decided people weren't being serious enough about faith. And I think that's, that's kind probably of, got something to it. Yeah, yeah he, he felt that people needed a bit of a, bit a, of a refocusing. Yeah. yeah. God, he'd be horrified if he was alive today. Um yeah, so I hope you've enjoyed that. It was a bit of a weird one, but that it was, was weird. pretty entertaining. I mean, the film we watched was weird. That yeah, story was yeah. weird. 
Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's all from us, I think, guys. We'll yeah. be back with another film review. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, we'll be do a song a song episode. Song episode and, will be next. Yep, uh, the next film we will do is another listener's choice. So it we'll is, reveal yeah, that soon. yeah, yeah. Um, and I know which one it is because I've already researched the story for it. So, oh, uh, look at I'm you being so all cool. slick. Um, yeah, but I thanks, don't know what it is yet. Thanks for listening, and we will speak to you very soon. Don't forget to get in touch on our socials. Yes. And uh, you can email us at ghostgiguk at gmail.com. That's how these people got in touch with us, I believe. Yeah, people do. Yeah. Like, if we I actually put a, respond. Yeah, if I, put we a, do things. if I put a story up, I do get lots of responses. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who suggested um, songs for me walking down the aisle to. That's oh, yeah. Nice well, I'll, you know, I'll be there as well. I suppose I won't walk up to the aisle. Will I? I'll just be yeah, standing at the end there. You'll, you'll be there, sure, but it's my choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the bride. I'm the more important one. Love it's you. true, isn't it? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, oh, he's crying now. <laughs> Not crying, I was just chopping onions. I'm making a, I'm making a lasagna. For one. <laughs> You're the Sorry. one who's going out tonight and I'm staying here with my sad little ch- chicken tikka. With, oh my, I have to be fair, I have chosen to do that. You chose chicken tikka. Yeah, I have chosen to do that. I have chosen to chicken tikka. Yeah. Chicken tikka, tell me what's wrong. Um, <sighs> Corey and a curry. Corey and a curry, fab. Cool. Right, right speak Enjoy to Enjoy yourselves, everyone. Take Goodbye. care. Goodbye. Goodbye.